Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for dropping into another episode here on the Path to Freedom podcast. This is episode 120. Today, I'm joined by guest Dan Barton. Dan is the founder and CEO of Splash and Dash Groomery and Boutique. So this is... um you know, a category that I've talked about on the podcast, we're talking pets, right? So Splash and Dash is an up and coming emerging franchise concept, as the name would indicate, focusing on grooming and boutique services for dogs and particularly uh, an industry that's just growing at a massive rate. I mean, the number of dog owners here in the United States has always been extremely high. And then, you know, throw a global pandemic into the mix and everyone that didn't already have a dog went out and got a dog. I'm sure a lot of people went out and got a second or a third dog. So anyways, this is, uh, in my opinion, a great business to to be in, right? Because we all know that people out there spend money on their pets, just like they spend money on their kids, right? So love the concept that, that Dan, you know, has created here with Splash and Dash. He gives us a really good overview of you know, kind of the origin of the business, you know, how he got into it, a little bit of his background. He's no stranger to franchising. He was a multi-unit owner with the World Gym um, prior to launching Splash and Dash, which really, you know, came out of a personal need for him and his dog Mercedes and just not being able to find a good quality groomer to, to take her to. And what I really found interesting was how, you know, Dan was able to leverage his experience in a fitness business uh, and take key aspects of that business model and integrate it into the Splash and Dash business model. So, you know, a key example of that would be the membership model that Splash and Dash now offers, which is very common in fitness, but not common at all in the pet industry. So, like I said, fascinating concept. Um, Dan also talks a little bit about you know, how they're leveraging technology in a big way, which I think is is really fascinating. And some of the stuff that he shared with me just blew my mind in terms of the way they're using technology and uh, in particularly artificial intelligence to, you know, streamline operations for the franchise owners and, you know, operate very, very efficiently, but also to create a better customer experience. So this episode's jam-packed full of interesting uh, information from Dan really enjoyed chatting with him about Splash and Dash. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with Dan Barton of Splash and Dash. Dan, thank you for being here, man. Really appreciate you making time to do this. Absolutely. I appreciate you inviting me and kind of excited to talk about Splash and Dash. Yeah. So tell us what is Splash and Dash? Because it's not a car wash, right? Yeah, no, we're not a car wash. No, um, but we are. We are. We are a wash service for your dog, right? There you go. And yep. so, 
we 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 primarily focus on the grooming services so we can do a haircut for your dog we can do just a bath and everything in between kind of what makes us unique and different is that we have a membership concept so for you know depending on the the dog size and breed and coat but you can get started in a membership for $39 a month um, and come in unlimited number of times throughout the month and your dog's always going to be clean, right? So um, I remember having my dog, you know, I have uh, Mercedes was a Yorkie and Yorkies and, and, and a lot of dogs, but they become part of your family, right? These are like yeah, kids. Absolutely. Crazy pet parents like me, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so because they're like a kid, right? They're in bed with you. They're in the car with you. They're on your lap. They're in your face. And, and I just remember that, you know, progressively they would, she would get dirtier and dirtier and stinkier and stinkier. Right. And then boom, she'd go to the groomers and then the cycle would repeat itself for 30 days. Yeah. And it was always those last two and a half weeks that it was like, Oh, this dog needs a bath. And so that's kind of where the the original concept started from was just out of, you know, my need to keep Mercedes clean. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, so true. It's so true that, you know, I think most people, unless they have easy access to a good, you know, groomer or, you know, bather for their dog, they probably go way longer than they should, you know. In, in terms of giving them a bath, like think about us as people, like you go more than a, you know, a couple of days without a shower. You're like, what the hell's wrong with me? Like, I'm disgusting. I need, I need a shower, right. you know, but then like, you know, I'll put myself on the spot. My dog probably hasn't had like a legitimate bath in, you know, at least two months, probably even a little bit longer than that. So, um, and I want to zoom in in a little bit on the membership piece of, of this as well, because it is unique and it's very attractive for so many prospective business owners out there. I mean, as a consultant doing what I do, talking to so many people that are, you know, looking at different business opportunities, I hear all the time, you know, Wes, I want something with recurring revenue, right? And any sort of a membership model is, is one of the best ways to, you know, build a business with more of that predictable recurring revenue. So a lot of exciting things to talk about on the splash and dash side. Before we dive in too deep there, though, I do want to make sure the audience gets a chance to, you know, hear a little bit of your background, because I think this is very relevant. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of where splash and dash is currently in terms of, you know, number of franchise locations, number of units open, et cetera. You know, Splash and Dash is what I would consider, you know, at this point, still an emerging brand, right? And a lot of people, I think, get a little bit scared off when, you know, you start talking about emerging brands because there's, you know, maybe not as much of a track record. You know, if you're looking at disclosure documents and things like that, there's not as much data, you know, compared to more mature brands that have been around for 10, 15, 20 years, right? Um, and so one of the biggest things I coach my candidates on is, you know, emerging brands can be very attractive for a lot of reasons, right? Prime territory is still available, opportunity to get in early on something which, you know, could lead to more growth potential down the road, um, you know, for your more entrepreneurial minded franchise owners, a lot of them enjoy being in more of an emerging concept because they get to 
you know, contribute to the system. They get to think outside of the box a little bit and, you know, help the system continue to, to get better and evolve. So I, I coach candidates, you know, look closely at the leadership team. And, you know, if the leadership team has previous franchise experience, that can really diminish some of the risk that would typically be associated with, you know, getting involved with an emerging brand. So share with us a little bit, you know, some of your experience in franchising, you know, prior to even starting Splash and Dash. Yeah. Um, so before I get into that, just to go back to what you were just saying, I think that's, an, uh, you know, everything you're pointing out about emerging brand, I think is spot on, all exciting stuff. Um, but there's one thing that I think personally that is the biggest benefit. And I think that from my perspective, the biggest benefit with a emerging brand is you're going to work directly with the founder and that leadership team. Great right? point. So it's not only it's not only just a couple great leaders that have been hired, but you're right there with the founder and an emerging brand founder. Our focus at this level is to make sure you are 100% successful as quick as possible, right? So I think that if you went to another brand, a McDonald's, you're not going to get that kind of attention, right? You're, you never, you're, you're not going to get talk, it from a Subway. You're never going to talk to the CEO of McDonald's, like not going to happen. Exactly, exactly. So I think that there are, you know, the trade-offs, but that's a huge benefit that you get to work directly with the founder from the beginning. You, you know, everything is you know, original the way it was and it, you're hearing it firsthand out of his or her mind. So anyway, but yeah, that's I a great started point. In franchising. Thanks. So I started in franchising um, early on in Orlando. I owned world gym franchises. Mm. And so I was in the health and fitness industry for 15 years, started out with one, ended up with five. And um, my partner, business partner at the time came to me and said, I want to be a stripper. And we were both 30 years old. And so we we couldn't figure out a way to divide the business. So we ended up selling. Can I, can, so I just ask, I am, can I just ask, not that it matters, but was your business partner a male or a female? A male. Okay. All right. Well, my, yep. you know, Orlando, yep. Florida, it makes sense. I guess that's kind of the magic mic scene. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So... So we ended up, we agreed to sell the business. So now here I am 30, nothing to do. I got some money in my pocket. So I started flipping some houses and then lo and behold, corporate world gym corporate called me and said, Hey, we want you to come aboard and help us drive revenue at the corporate, the franchisor level. And so they threw a ridiculous amount of money at me, went there. And um, ultimately it just wasn't a fit working on that corporate level. Um, I'm a pretty laid back guy. You're not going to catch me in a suit and tie every day. Um, and, and that's kind of what their their corporate structure was, right? Yeah. Um, so I ended up leaving there. And now I'm in California. I've got my Yorkie that is my entire life Mercedes. And just the continual frustration of finding a pet store that I could take her to that I felt safe, right? Because I'm leaving my child. So I want to feel safe. And I want to walk in and I don't want it to smell like wet dog. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. Right. I mean, I when don't I think it's just when you. you have that, when you smell that, it's like, what the hell are you not cleaning? Right. It just starts creating all these negative thoughts in your mind. And when you're leaving your child, 
I mean, I can't imagine that any, you know, somebody who has a two-year-old toddler, if you're going to drop your child off at daycare, if it smelled like diapers, I think you're going to think twice, right? Huge and, turn and off. You're probably going to look for some rats. Yeah. So it was nearly impossible to find, which is surprising, right? You would think with the industry, um, but lo and behold, there wasn't. So what does a crazy guy do that's got some money in his pocket and loves his dog? He buys his dog a pet store. <laughs> I love it. So, right. And and that's the level of craziness that we have. It would be no different than if my son or daughter graduated from college and I said, all right, well, let's go buy you a business to get started or, you know, let me buy it. It's the same concept, right? It's yeah. just a dog. Yeah. But so, so now Mercedes and I Mercedes and I have our own pet store. We didn't know anything about the pet industry. Um, but I knew what it needed to be, right, as a consumer. And I also know numbers very well. So after learning the business, then I, I started to look at it from a numbers perspective and said, oh, there's just so many opportunities here to improve not only the overall um uh, first impression when you walk in eliminating that dog smell but then running it more efficiently mm -hmm. um and then you know knowing what i knew in the gym industry for 15 years doing memberships mm. that was in my blood right and and yeah. so now i'm in retail there's no membership there's no recurring revenue i'm trying to pay the bills and customers cancel because it's raining out or at the time i was in the desert so customers will cancel because it's 110 degrees out yeah and and so that that just screws your cash flow up big time in a retail yep you know so coming from the gym where you just got that money on a regular basis you I, it really didn't deal with cash flow problems right so yep. i had to had to sell, had to come up with a membership that worked for the customers in the pet space. And so I just started talking to customers and said, Hey, what do you think if you could bring your dog in every week and we clean it for you? And every single customer's like, wow, I never heard of such a thing. That's awesome. Love it. Why didn't I think of that? And so the more people that said that, then I was like, wow, I think I'm onto something here. So we just started selling memberships left and right. And lo and behold, the community absolutely just loved the concept that you could bring your dog in for any reason, any, you know, as many times as you want throughout the month. We give them a bath, we blow, you know, blow dry them. And the other benefit is that that kind of regular inspection, you know, we're now looking at the dog's skin, the ears, the eyes, the gums. I mean, we're doing a, a like a wellness check on yeah. your dog every single time they come in, right? Yeah, that's so a great point. It, yeah, so the, the customers loved it and and it was a huge success. And um in in the the time period of 2008, 2009, um, is when we launched as a licensing concept. Um, okay. At that point, the industry the industry started to hear about us, and so I had all these people calling me, "Hey, help me do a membership, help me." So that got us into licensing, and then in 2014, 15, then we converted from a licensing concept into a franchising concept. So Very that's. Those are the beginning days. As you started talking about your your world gym experience, I had a hunch that that was a big driver for the membership program with with Splash and Dash. I imagine 
you know, once you get used to that re- predictable recurring revenue as a business owner, going to, to one where you don't have it is beyond frustrating for all the reasons that that you yeah. mentioned. And, you know, I've I've said this numerous times on the podcast. My wife and I are, are franchisees for two different brands currently and they're service businesses. They're, you know, in the home service, home improvement space and great businesses. But one of our biggest frustrations is, you know, they're very sales intensive businesses. And, you know, we just February last month had a had a record month in one of our brands, highest revenue we've ever done in the business, which is great. You know, we got to celebrate for like all of two hours and then, you know, March 1st hits and we're back at zero. And now it's like, all right, how are we going to you know build this thing back up? So the the recurring revenue is important. One quick question just to kind of circle back to the background. And then I've got a lot of things I want to talk about with the Splash and Dash business model. But I'm just curious, how did you get introduced to franchising at such a young age? Because if if I heard you right, you you and your business partner had five world gyms that you had built and sold by the time that you were 30. So how did you get introduced to world gym and just the the idea of owning franchises so early in your career you know that that's a question that all the consultants and the leaders of my team say don't discuss that okay you you bring up this (laughs) (laughs) but i don't think it's bad but so i moved to orlando when i was 19 and i was 19 partying all the time Right. And where better to party than in Florida and Orlando. And who was in so, partying at 19? Right. And so my parents cut me off and yeah. said, okay, it's time to get time to get your shit together, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get your ass back to New York. Let's get serious about a job. And so I didn't want to go back to New York. Right. Here I have all this freedom in Orlando, drinking, partying, having fun, going to the gym every day. And so resisting my parents, I went to the gym owner that I was working out at every day. I said, look, I need drinking money. I need a job. What can you do? He's like, well, be here at 5 a.m. Open the, you know, open the gym every day. You're going to start at the front desk. And at 19, guess what? That was enough money for me to continue that lifestyle that I had at the time. And it was a perfect fit. And, but luckily I was smart enough as I um, you know, continued, I saw that there was a huge opportunity in the gym industry. Mm. And my ultimate goal um, has always been to build a brand and take it public. And so getting into the gym industry, that's kind of what I thought I was going to do is I was eventually going to learn all that I could um, develop a gym concept and then take it public. And so that very first gym that I worked at um, was great, but it was limited. It was just a, a single owner franchise. Okay. And at that point I wanted to learn, you know, more. So I went to work for a big company out of Tampa. Um, they had 30 locations when I joined. So quickly moved up the, uh, ranks at that company and then went back to the gym that I started at. And I said, Hey, I'm back. I've been in the industry now, you know, it was eight years, I think at the time, nine years, I said, are you ready to retire? And he said, yeah, actually I am. And so I bought the gym that I started at. And so then it just, you know, kept going from there because we were very successful. 
Love it. I love that story. You guys heard it here first on the Path to Freedom podcast. Continue not sharing that with, you know, other consultants. Um, but no, I look, to me it's a it's a perfect example, right? I mean, for you it was much younger than than most people and but you had a certain lifestyle that you wanted to to maintain. And I mean, that's the reason the vast majority of people start a business or get into a franchise, right? Is they're either not happy with their current lifestyle and they want, you know, usually more control of their time, more flexibility. Um, and, and so that's a big motivator to to get into business. And for you, you know, you did it much earlier. And and I've got to imagine that, you know, all of that experience, um, you know, working in the fitness industry, owning your own gym, scaling to multiple units, you know, the experience that you did get, you know, on the franchisor side, um, all of that has helped you, you know, immeasurably as you've built the Splash and Dash brand. Yeah, all the tools that I learned in the gym industry to make the gym successful. And and remember, at a gym, it's all about the, the reoccurring membership, right? Yeah. So it's about the customer service. It's about engaging them in conversation. It's about upselling. It's about all the things in the back to help keep them, right? And so when I got into the pet store, I didn't know the tools of the industry. I didn't have anybody to lean on to say, hey, what do you do in the pet industry? I didn't have anybody. So I took all of the tools that worked in the gym industry and I just modified them to work for the pet industry. So back in the day when I owned the gyms, what was really uh, big was you'd give somebody a guest pass, mm. come try out the gym for a day, right? Free. Here's, yeah. here's your, your guest pass. Yeah. So what, how do we make that work in the, in the pet industry? Here's a gift card to come in for a free bath. Come check us out. Come check out how good we're going to do on your dog. So a lot of those tools, you just, you know, tweaked them, modified sure. them, but they worked. And in looking back, I think that in my case, it worked out better that I didn't have an influence or knew anybody in the pet industry, mm -hmm. right? Because had I listened to the other experts in the pet, in, pet industry, I would not have been able to disrupt it like I did. Yeah. They would have been saying, oh, you can't give away one bath. Are you crazy? That's 30 bucks. You can't give up the revenue. Nobody will pay uh, memberships for a membership. Are never work. Nobody's going to pay for a membership. Yeah. That's, you know, the pet industry, there's never been. It. So in hindsight, fortunately, I did not reach out or have anybody to lean on in the pet industry and, and went went with it from a disruptive angle or a disruptive lens using tools that I had worked with for 15 years that worked in a, in a service business with reoccurring revenue. And, you know, my ego said, how could they not, not work in the pet industry? Yeah. It's brilliant. So, <clears throat> I love that. That's such a cool story. Um, so just, just quickly, we don't need to spend a ton of time here, but just kind of give us like the menu of services that, you know, a customer or a member can get at Splash and Dash for their dog. And we are just talking so, dogs, right? You guys are not doing any other sorts of pets, correct? No, we, we focus strictly on dogs. Okay. And so they can come in, get anything from a simple bath to a haircut and then okay. everything in between. 
um, you know, because we're higher end and we're looking for that different type of experience, you know, we've got a lot of cool things like we do podicures, um, we have spa packages. So, you know, the dog's going to come in for the day, they're going to get a facial, they're going to get a podicure, they're going to get the nails painted red or pink or whatever. So there's a lot of additional things to spoil your dog, right? No different than your child. You want your child to go and and just have a great time, whether you're, you're going to have face painting for your child or you're going to buy him something, whatever. Yeah. And so we've created the same type of experience um, for your dog. And so we're just loving on them when they're with us. We're treating them like royalty and um, just spoiling the hell out of them the best we can while they're with yeah. us. Yeah. And they have, you know, and what well, it's been interesting to me to see. You know, and, and you may tell me it's it's not even a, you know, a, a trend or, or anything new that, you know, people who love their dogs have always, you know, really gone out of their way to to pamper them and, um, you know, give them these type of experiences. But, you know, over the last several years, this industry has absolutely exploded. You know, you may have a few statistics off the top of your head not to put you on the spot, but I mean, I've heard some crazy numbers just in terms of dog ownership percentages going up. I think, you know, some of it was probably tied to the pandemic and people spending more time at home. But I mean, what have you seen being in the industry for, for so long, you know, has it really grown the, the way some people suggest it has over the last two to three years? Yeah. Well, when I got in, in the industry back in 2007, you know, we had that uh, small re recession in 2008, 2009. Well, the industry grew double digits during that recession. Really? Now we fast forward. Yeah. So, so we now fast forward to COVID and every year since then, the industry, the industry has grown. There's never been a year that the industry has not grown. Mm -hmm. So then COVID comes along and, and, Here's another thing I don't like to talk about besides me drinking at 19. COVID <laughs> was the best thing, the absolute best thing that ever happened to the pet industry. Yeah. It, it's amazing, but it's awful to talk about. I hate talking about the success that we had and the growth that we had because so many people were impacted, right? And so sure. many people lost their livelihoods, but it, it was unbelievable for us. So everybody's locked down and, you know, they go out and start adopting pets. And it's the first time in history that actual shelters went without dogs to be adopted. That's never happened. Really? Before. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, all of us in the industry, we do our best to support the shelters because, you know, we want to help dogs get rescued, but it's like a never ending battle. It's like the common cold. It just always, you know, th those things are always full. Yeah. Um, and so during COVID, there were so many that, they didn't have any dogs and, and it's amazing, right? So we're all locked down. And fortunately, because your pet is like your child, we were deemed essential, right? So we were, we were permitted to stay open during COVID. Now okay. we had our challenges with, you know, team members getting sick, that kind of stuff, but sure. um, we were able to stay open every day. And so that was a huge um, benefit for us in the pet industry. And um, yeah, the dog ownership is just off the charts. I mean, you know, somebody that's got a dog, you know, somebody that's got multiple dogs, yep. you know, just over 70% of all households have a pet. Um, we know being in the industry that, you know, uh, 
each one of those households has multiple pets, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of gotten to the point where what we see is that it it's now the norm for somebody to have two. What's odd is somebody just having one dog, right? It yeah. seems like that um, back in the day that was normal, but now it's really become where the the pet parents have multiple dogs. Yeah, and so you know all you know, everybody expanding their families, um, the millennial or the younger generation, um, they're looking to have a family, um, but they're not looking to get married and they're not looking to have kids. Yeah. But they want to have a family, man. Yeah. So you've got a lot of single people more so than ever that, um, adopt a dog or, you know, bring a puppy into their life. And, uh, what we're also seeing is that there's a lot of new apartment complexes that have really recognized that dogs are now part of the family and they they've had to redo their whole policies on pets. And, you know, now, I mean, there's a big complex being built by my house, 712 units. Um, they put in a full pet park yeah, for, yeah. for the people. Right. And this isn't just a chain link fence and some dirt. I mean, they, we got, there's agility stuff in there. Yeah. There's benches, there's treat dispensers, there's real grass, there's artificial grass, there's a hydrant. It, I mean, it's a playground. I believe it. For, yeah. for their, you know, for their, um, their it's, residents. When I, I, uh, was traveling earlier this week. So, you know, was in the airport yesterday coming home and, you know, so I, I look at these things more than, than I used to. Right. But, you know, over the last year or so, if you're flying, like it's so much more common to see people traveling with their dogs. You know, the, literally the lady on the yeah. one of my flights last night had, I don't know what kind of dog it was, but in a carrier and it sat on her lap the whole flight, you know, um, and that was, you know, six, seven years ago, you would have kind of been like, you know, what's going on? Unless it was a service dog or something <laughs> like you didn't really see people in the, the airport with their dogs yeah. that often. And, you know, now it's just kind of normal, you know? Normal. Um, yeah. 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 So that's it's funny you bring that up because th- this morning I was watching TikTok. Um, another thing I shouldn't talk about, but I was watching TikTok <laughs> this morning and one of the videos that popped up was somebody who was in first class with her golden retriever and she bought the seat next to her <laughs> for her golden retriever and it was one of the fully reclined seats so she must be going overseas yeah and so the the video was the dog sleeping under the blankets in first class are you absolutely hysterical tell me that lady won't pay a membership to go get her dog groomed uh and uh, washed on a regular basis you know that's a no-brainer absolutely um, for someone like that yeah, yeah so, absolutely so you've got this massive you know, kind of growth in the industry and dog ownership as a whole. Let's talk a little bit about the competitive landscape, you know, for, for Splash and Dash, right? Because, I mean, even if we're just talking franchising, you know, there's some mobile grooming concepts that I see out there. And and to be clear, Splash and Dash is not a mobile concept. You guys are a, you know, brick and mortar fixed location storefront. So clients are bringing their dogs to you. So, you know, what do you see from a competitive landscape? Um, And, you know, talk to me a little bit other than the membership piece and not smelling like wet dogs when you walk in, like what are some of the other key 
differentiators for Splash and Dash compared to, you know, whether it's a local mom and pop, you know, a mobile grooming concept or uh, another storefront? So let's start with the, the mobile, right? So the mobile, you got one groomer in the van. She's got to drive around. Um, if she's going to work eight hours, a typical dog um, from start to finish is going to take that groomer hour to an hour and a half, right? So yeah. on a perfect day, on a perfect day without driving, you, you could get eight dogs in, right? Yeah. If they yeah. were one right after another. Well, now you got to drive, mm-hmm. right? So you're 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 limited to maybe six dogs at most because you got to drive, you got to pack up the van, move to the next one. So the the mobile grooming is great space for a groomer who's working at an independent and they just want to work on their own, but they don't want a complicated business. They just want to work each day. And, you know, next week, if they want to take the week off and travel with their family, then the van sits in the garage. No big deal. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect scenario. Um, the average, I think in the industry at the moment, the, the average mobile groomer after expenses and, you know, everything and running the van, they're somewhere in the 60 to 70,000 range. So, you yeah. know, not bad for working for yourself and having some freedom. And probably um, doing, doing look, something you love to do, you know, yeah, in the process. Absolutely. Picking, yeah. and choo- picking and choosing what clients you want, picking and choosing what part of town you want to be in. So, yeah, it, it, it that's great. But um, when we look at the, the independents, the mom and pops, there's about 32,000 across the country. Yeah. And what we have found is a lot of those independents are individuals who worked in a previous independent mom and pop. Mm. They got tired of working for somebody else. They pull out a credit card and they try to go into business for themselves. And all they know is what they learned from the previous mom and pop. So we've got this terrible cycle in the industry where there's never any new technology introduced. There's never any new ideas because of the way the industry has been, right? So somebody like me comes into the industry, knows absolutely nothing. I'm coming at it from a numbers perspective. How do we make money? What's our margins? What's our capacity? What's our turnover rate? Those are terms that are not talked about in the gym industry. So, or not talked about in the pet industry. So a mom and pop, the the mom and pop is going to hire a groomer and that groomer the mom and pop's going to look at the groomer and say, all right, you should be able to do 10 dogs today. So they hire a groomer and they book 10 appointments. They hire another groomer. Now they got the capacity to do 20, right? But that's where they max out at about 20 dogs, assuming you got two decent groomers. And then the mom and pop is hoping to sell retail. So that scenario to me back in the day, I couldn't make, the money that I want to make on 20 dogs just doesn't work. And then yep. you've got two, three dogs that don't show up and you're back struggling. Right. So I knew very early on that I needed to embrace technology to help me figure things out. And so um, created a, a, a membership software, just like we had at the gym, basically copied the gym software that we were using at the day. That way I could check members in and out, keep track of their billing. Um, And then 
because of uh, I've always been in technology, it then went to, okay, well, if we're already tracking when the customer's coming in and out, let's start tracking this. Let's track this. I need to know what my ROI is. I need to know, you know, my percentage of payroll in comparison to revenue. Mm-hmm. All of that, all of those numbers we had in the gym industry because the gym industry was relatively sophisticated, right? Yep. We we had gone through a lot of consolidation. There was a lot of software companies out there that could provide this data for you. So again, I'm just taking the important factors in the gym industry and saying, what's my customer retention here? What's my membership retention? And so the software uh, I teamed up with the programmer and we just started building, you know, every week it'd be something new that I needed. I need this, I need that. And, and lo and behold, um, I got introduced to artificial intelligence and that changed my life right now. Artificial intelligence, this was back in 2009, 2010. Okay. It was not even norm back then. Right. Yeah. Where yeah, yeah. now you know, now 2023, we just had chat uh, released last year. And it's, you know, everybody's aware of it. Well, back then, I got introduced, I was like, whoa, this is a game changer. So we built artificial intelligence into the system from day one. What that allowed us to do was to bring our efficiency at a whole different level. So for example, when the dog comes in, if they come in just for a bath, there's basically five steps to bathing that dog. Okay. The software with its artificial intelligence is going to track every employee at every one of those stages. And so what we're able to see or what the software is able to tell us is, hey, this particular employee, let's say his name is Mike. Mike tends to be 20% faster doing a bath on a Yorkie. But for whatever reason, he's 10% slower when it comes to drying a Yorkie. But Missy, Missy, our other employee, she's spot on with the bath time, but she's 20% faster when it comes to drying. So the software, through its artificial intelligence, figures all that out. So now when the dog is moving through our process, the employee does not do all of the service. They go through like an assembly line almost. Yeah, kind of, but it, it, it the software is going to align the task to the employee that is most efficient at that pay rate mm. so that we maximize our margin <laughs> on every single dog. Holy shit, that so, is so smart. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy um, when we look at it. So that is key, right? The artificial intelligence. Then what? The, another big factor is when we do our schedule, right? So we're putting people on the schedule. We know their hourly rate, you know, their their breaks. We know what tasks they can do. So a franchise owner sits down, does their schedule. Well, when you're done doing the schedule, the artificial intelligence kicks in, analyzes what you did, and it will tell you where you made mistakes. It's going to tell you that on this particular day, you're either not maximizing your employees because they're capable of more, or you've got too many of this, or you got too many of that, or not enough of this, because it's looking at your kennel space, right? Which is, if you think of like a restaurant, you got 10 tables. Well, you've got to flip those tables, right? Mm-hmm. Throughout the, the night. So the software is looking at our kennels and saying, 
what is the most efficient way to flip those for for our capacity? The more often we can flip the kennels, the higher our capacity. And so it's telling the franchise owner, hey, this particular day, if you go with that schedule, you're not maximize your capacity. Then it will give you recommendations on how to fix the schedule so that you maximize your capacity. Now, there's always scenarios where, you know, maybe you can't do what the software is telling you because of sure. whatever, but sure. Um, so yeah, the software is always looking for ways to improve your margins. It will calculate um, as you're building the schedule, it's going to calculate what that's costing you. And our goal is to keep payroll at 35% and under. So it's also calculating the percentage to make sure you're on target. It auto calculates if somebody's going to be potentially into overtime. With the artificial intelligence, it tracks what employees show up on time, which ones are more likely to go into overtime, which ones are more likely to show up late. Wow. Um, because if, it, if, if a team member shows up late, 15 minutes late, but the software is saying, hey, this dog's ready to go at 8 o'clock, now all of a sudden we're 15 minutes behind. We guarantee to our customers that your dog, when it comes in for a full haircut, we guarantee your dog will be done in less than four hours, which is another thing that's uniquely different because most of the mom and pops, you drop your dog off somewhere between seven and 10. The dog stays there all day. And then you pick up usually between four and six. So we do it. You drop your dog off. We absolutely guarantee that the dog's going to be done in four hours or less. Now, what our customers don't know is the software is hard-coded to get the dog done in three and a half hours every single time. You have time. that little buffer. So, yeah, in case something happens in the shop, maybe the dog's a little aggressive today, not feeling well, you got a little bit of buffer. But even if you're you're working with the dog, and let's say for whatever reason, um, he becomes a little stressed. So we make the decision, let's put him back in the kennel, give him a timeout, let him relax before we finish. The software is picking up on that. So the software is saying, oh shit, we're four minutes off. We got to make that up. <laughs> and so then the artificial intelligence is looking at that whole day saying, look, we just lost four minutes on this dog because of behavior. How do we make that up somewhere else? So then it's going to analyze every single dog it's going to analyze the history of the dog it's going to analyze every employee because we could have a scenario where employees are ahead of schedule that particular day so then the software is going to look at that and say all right well we're okay at the moment because this employee is running um six minutes ahead of schedule and then it will adjust all of those percentages when we're looking at the employee um to make sure that we get the dogs done on time this is amazing. So, I mean, because this yeah, is so this is that, all driving a stronger bottom line for your franchisees. This is not like fluff. Like this day and age, you hear so many companies throw around the term AI. And I think a lot of them couldn't even really explain like where they're actually utilizing yeah. AI in their business. It's just like, you know, because everyone knows about it, right? Chat GPT, like everyone's talking about AI. So Every company's throwing these terms around as like a benefit, but like these are tangible things that are are helping franchisees improve their bottom line on a daily basis. I mean, one of my businesses, we had a meeting last week 
we're 7% higher than the system average on our labor cost, right? I know that, which is good to know. It's better than not knowing, but I sure as hell don't have AI telling me how to fix it, (laughs) you know? And that would be nice if I did. Um, So... If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. And the AI would have told you ahead of time, right? The AI would have said, hey, you're projecting to be 7% higher. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And then you as the franchise owner, you make a decision. Well, this particular week, I got two new employees or I'm short. It is what it is, right? Yeah. But it, it's telling you up front so that you can make a decision versus finding out two weeks later from your bookkeeping team or a report. Yeah. What What do you do then? Two weeks later. Yeah. Great point. It's yeah. It's allowing these owners to operate not only more efficiently but but get proactive and get in front of any you know potential issues that that they have. Um. What about from a consumer or a customer standpoint because i understand you guys are also leveraging technology in some really smart ways to make it a better customer experience as well what is what does it kind of look like from the customer's viewpoint yeah so you know when we started out i didn't realize that getting the dog done in under four hours was such a big deal to our our customers, right? Yeah. I did that from a business perspective because I knew I had to increase our overall capacity, right? 20 dogs was not enough. We needed to be in the 50, 60 range. So now with our software, we can comfortably do anywhere from 60 to 100 dogs a day out of a 1,300 square foot space, right? Just insane. insane. 100 dogs a day. Um, 
Wow. Yeah, thirteen hundred square feet, right? It's just nuts. But you couldn't do it without that software. Sure, figuring yeah. all that out, right? Yeah. So, so we learned that the customers just love the idea that they can drop their dog off and pick up in four hours or less. And so, what we do is, as soon as that dog is ready, the system will automatically send out a text message to the customer and say, "Your dog's ready for pickup," right? The, the system is also going to track the customer. So, for example, if we send the customer a message at 10 o'clock and they don't show up until 1030, right, that throws off our, our matrix, right? Mm-hmm. So, the software is going to track that. And so, the software is going to look at the, that customer and say, all right, this customer has a pattern of from the time we send him the message oh, to the time they God. pick up is 32 minutes. It's 32 minutes we need to shorten that, right? Because we've got another dog coming in that needs that kennel. We can't have somebody waiting 30 minutes. So the the artificial intelligence is looking for the patterns on the customer's pickup. And so it looks at it and says, okay, this customer on average, 95% of the time picks up within 33 to 36 minutes from the time we notify them. So what does the software do? It analyzes that and it's going to send them the text message instead of when the dog is done 30 to 32 minutes before the dog is done so that when the dog is done, the customer is walking in the door three, four minutes later. This is wild. It's that I would be that customer that like red flags pop up in your system. They're like this. This guy's like always (laughs) two hours late. Like we just need to as soon as he walks out the door from dropping off his dog, we need to send him a text that his dog's ready um, <laughs> to yeah, not throw yeah. off the matrix. But that's insane. That's, that's yeah. just amazing. So, so we've got a, an amazing um, web platform where the customers can go in, book their appointments. They can add on all kinds of spa services. The system automatically notifies them 24 hour in advance. If you don't confirm, the system will automatically cancel your appointment. Mm. Then the system will automatically fill that canceled appointment with somebody on the waiting list, notify them automatically. I mean, that, that alone, if at a mom and pop, when somebody says, I need to cancel my appointment on Saturday, the last thing they're thinking about on a Friday afternoon is, oh shit, how am I going to fill that slot tomorrow? What they're thinking about is I got to get these dogs done. I'm already late today. Yep. Yep. And then Saturday comes and guess what? The only person that's going to fill that empty slot you got to have somebody at the front desk going through your customer list, figuring out who is ready. You got to call them and try to get them to come in. Yeah, so we just eliminated that. It's almost sheer luck from if, an employee if you're able to to throw someone in there. Yeah, I mean it's it's such a good point that you know so many of these you know smaller independent companies because this is the case in in so many industries, right? But they're just they don't have the level of sophistication that they're using to operate the business and so you know they're just really taking it one day at a time you know whereas the yeah. technology that you're describing allows your franchisees to continuously get more and more efficient and you know i would also imagine cuz this this will be i guess a good segue into one of the other things i want to make sure we talk about which is you know who are you looking for as your franchise owners, right? So I've got to imagine that, you know, with all this smart technology, this can lead to a great lifestyle 
for the franchise owners where, you know, they're not stressed out five or six days a week because, you know, they're constantly running behind or trying to fill in the the schedule. Um, And I would also go out on a limb, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you guys are not looking specifically for, you know, your franchise owners to have like a background or experience and being a groomer um, necessarily. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, what type of franchise owners are you looking for? What is kind of the typical day or week in a life of a franchise owner? You know, once they're they're kind of established, they've got a team and, and a customer base in place. Yeah, so what comes to mind right off the bat is who we're not looking for. Okay. So let me start there. Yeah. We're not looking for somebody who still has a flip phone and using a fax machine, right? Fair enough. It's, just, yeah. it's not gonna it's just not gonna be a fit, right? Yeah. So I mean, ideally it, it it has to be somebody who's comfortable with emerging technologies because we are constantly improving the technology any chance we can to save minutes, um, save time. For example, you know, the system analyzed that taking checks and cash was taking time from the check-in process. Mm. So three years ago, we eliminated cash and checks. Um, the technology then realized that, hey, from the moment they have to pull the credit card out of their pocket to the moment we swipe the credit card, we're losing a minute and a half. Multiply that by 80 dogs, that's a lot of time. So we're now going to use technology where when we send you that text that your dog is ready, you just hit one and you auto pay us right through text. It'll have your invoice total. Everything will be there. You just press one. You can add a tip, and then the money's transferred to us instantly. That way, when you come to pick, you know, come to pick the dog up, you're not fumbling, pulling a credit card. My staff's got to swipe the credit card, give it back to you. I mean, that seems like no time for most people. But now that I've mentioned it, next time you go and you pay with a credit card, track how long like, it takes. Ah, it's You'll be like forever. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's it's yeah, a- Dan, Dan was on to something. It's, it's an example of where like you guys are creating, tailoring the customer experience to be in line with how consumers are accustomed to buying goods and services, right? You know, Uber, you do it yeah. on your phone, right? Everyone's Venmoing and stuff these days. So, you know, this is just allowing your customers to be able to interact with you in the same way they're interacting with so many other companies that have also embraced technology and, you know, the ones that are not, they're just, they're getting left behind and, you know, our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. So to your point, oh, yeah. you know, the yeah. act of having to pull your wallet out, get the credit card out, hand it over, wait for it to swipe, get it back. Like that's, that's a big deal these days. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's saving time and money for your franchise owners. Um, yeah. I'm, so, I'm, so getting back to your, your original question there of who we're looking for. I mean, that's an example of how we're always trying to maximize our efficiencies, our margins. Right. And we look at technology to help us figure that out and embrace it. So um, we need a franchise owner who is comfortable with change. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we roll something out, you can't be the type of person to say, oh, I can't learn that. It's too difficult. I'm not going to do it. That, that This isn't the right, this isn't the right model for you. Right. Okay. Um, what we also have found is that our, the most successful franchise owners that we have all have pets. 
And so what we realized is that a franchise owner needs to understand that connection, that it's yeah. not a dog. It's, it's a, it's a family member, right? Where a franchise owner who likes the industry, um, likes dogs, maybe had one when they were a kid, but doesn't have one, hasn't had one in 10, 15 years, they don't get that connection that the dog can eat at the, you know, at the table with you on real China, right? They don't get that. Yeah. And you've got to be able to understand because when you're connecting with your customer, right? The customer wants to do business with somebody that's like them. They, they, they want you to understand the level that they treat their dog and you've got to understand that. So when that dog comes in, you expect your team to provide a different level of connection and service to that dog, because this is their child. This isn't just a dog coming in for a bath. This is a child. We got to pet them. We got to give them kisses. They're going to give us kisses. We got to love on them. We got to talk to them. You know, all of that has to happen. So it's super important um, for somebody coming to our model that you got to have a dog. You've got to understand that connection. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. What are what what are the primary things that your franchise owners should be spending the majority of their time on? I mean, obviously in the beginning, it's you know, getting the location, you know, managing the process of getting it open. And, you know, you guys are partnered with Repum Group, who, you know, listeners of the podcast have some familiarity with. So they're providing support and finding the real estate, negotiating the leases, managing build outs, things like that. You know, obviously, you know, you, you have a good idea of what types of locations are going to be ideal, you know, to run this business out of at this point. Um, hiring, building the team, you know, is a big focus, I'm sure, for the franchise owners in the beginning. But, you know, once once they're open, once they've got a team in place, like what are the the key things that your owners should be spending the majority of their time and energy on? Trusting the software, using the software to your advantage, right? So instead of going to the store and doing a physical inspection, run your reports, look at the data, look at what the software is telling you that's happening in the shop, right? Um, look at your KPI dashboards. They're in real time. They're giving you a clear picture from a numbers perspective of what's happening in the store, can the software see that maybe somebody hasn't vacuum cleaned in the last two hours? No, but it's going to give you the insight that you need to, you know, make money every single month. And the higher level of trust that you have, and the more you rely on the software, the more successful you're going to be, right? The second part of that is following the process. And this is probably true in any franchise, not just us. Yeah. Um, there is a clear difference when you when you look at the top performing locations versus the bottom floor. Um, the top performing locations follow the system to a T. The ones in the bottom, they follow maybe 20% of it or 30% of it. The ones in the middle, they're at a 60%. I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. Yep. The ones in the top, it doesn't matter if they like it or not. If it works, they do it. Right. Yep. They keep their personal opinions out of the out of the business. Yeah, it's it's great advice. And it is, you know, I think true in, in any franchise, like follow the system is one of the the keys to being successful. But 
and you know that sounds simple when we sit here and talk about it like that but yeah every single franchise system out there has people that are exactly like you described they do 60 percent of it so they're average performers you know they only embrace 20 to 30 percent of it so they are below average performers and you know you've already mentioned this right that you know you guys are constantly innovating and constantly looking at ways to improve and so following the system with a brand like splash and dash is also you know being willing to embrace these changes and try it and and i would imagine with the the artificial intelligence you know it 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 probably is sometimes counterintuitive like what the software is telling an owner they're sitting there like no that can't be like i swear that's the most efficient schedule the way i oh, the way i yeah. set it up and the software is like yeah no uh let's do it this way instead and this is going to be way better and you're like it can't be how so I, I I get what you say when you say trust the the software, and and you know what you just said we see that happen with the team right the employees, mm -hmm. so you have the franchise owner saying oh you know she's doing a great job love her she's team player blah 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 blah, but the software prints out this report that you may love her but she's thirty percent slower than everybody else on your team mm -hmm. and she's this and she's that. And and then the franchise owner is like, well, that can't be true. That can't be true. Well, it it is true. The the reality is you have a personal relationship with this person, and now you're letting that personal relationship, you know, uh, cloud your vision of looking at the real data. And the yeah. real data shows that this person is costing you money. So, but you know, at the end of the day, the franchise owner. If, if you really love her and you're okay wasting money, well, you know, that's your prerogative, but, or maybe there's gonna, another you know, role. We're going to give you the data. Maybe, maybe yeah, there's, there's another some, role better... you could move them into. Yeah. And, and, and that also is a great thing. I, I think a lot of our team members have said that they're, they're being held accountable and they know what they're being held accountable for, right? So the reports show them whether they're faster, whether they're slower, tells them where they gotta be, focusing more on, so on and so forth. And so that's a brilliant tool because now they know how they can get a raise, right? It doesn't matter whether you have a great relationship with the franchise owner, you're kicking ass as an employee, you're 30% faster in all categories. Yeah. So guess what? You, you should be getting a raise versus having to worry about doing your job and sucking up to the owner. Um, <laughs> yeah. The software takes care of all that. Right. And, and so it just makes it a nice, clean, simple relationship with the team because they know how they're being a, uh, held accountable. They see the data themselves. They see it in real time. I mean, it, it just works, works so much better. Yeah, no, it makes I mean, look, the numbers never lie. Right. So Sounds to me like this is an ideal opportunity for anyone out there that's really data driven, loves looking at numbers. Um, you know, it makes perfect sense to me that you want your owners to have that passion for, you know, their own pets so that they, you know, really understand from the customer standpoint, you know, what's important to them. But, um, this is uh i mean the data that that this is giving the franchise owners is i, mean, I just want to make sure the audience understands like this type of data is amazing and then i imagine you're able to to use this in all sorts of creative ways to you know create these benchmarks for the system right i mean this is where 
a lot of the value of owning a franchise is long term. You know, if if the franchisor does have good reporting, then you know, as a franchise owner, you can look and see your numbers, but then you can also see, you know, how do I stack up to the rest of the system, which can be a really good indicator of where you have opportunity to improve. Uh, I imagine you guys are able to take some of that to to the next level with the the level of insight that you have. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we look at that, that. That's kind of a given, right? Because we've yeah. got all that data so yeah. you can rank everybody. But where we take it to the next level is we handle all the bookkeeping for you. Mm. So not only do you get to see your benchmarks from a revenue perspective, but because we're handling all the bookkeeping for all the locations, we've got benchmarks for your expenses. We've got benchmarks for your profitability, right? And so we can tell you um, pretty easily, hey, you're overspending on your electric bill. Let's figure out why. And, and we just had a scenario, we just had a scenario where the electric company switched them to an on-demand account. And an on-demand account is, is, is something like a restaurant would use, right? So the rates are a little bit higher and you're paying this surge. And so we were mm. able to figure that out quickly. We called the electric company and said, what the hell? Yeah. We got all these locations across the country. Their bills are 400, but this one's 1200. Shoo. Everything's the same. Yeah. Everything's the same. And, and, and then we found out. So yeah, we, I mean, the data we have is crazy. How we analyze things, how we track everything. It, it, it really is all about making it super easy for the franchise owner and trying to make as much money as we possibly can. Well, props to you for seeing the opportunity with artificial intelligence as early as you did, you know, and, and building that into the business. Um, you know, I think a lot of businesses are scrambling right now to try to figure out what the oh, yeah. hell is artificial intelligence and how could it apply to my business. Um, so, you know, definitely sounds like you had some really good foresight, um, you know, when it comes to that. So uh, I could talk to you about the data stuff you know, for the next three hours, I nerd out on this stuff, but um, I know you're busy. So a couple other things I just wanted to to kind of touch on quickly. Um, give us kind of a snapshot. Where is Splash and Dash today? So we're recording this in March of 2023. Um, where is Splash and Dash today? How many franchise owners do you have? Uh, how many locations are open? How many locations are, you know, in the process of opening? Um Give us a sense of that. Yeah, so currently <clears throat> we have uh, 13 open. We have okay. 28 in development, 28 in development. Wow. Um, okay. And I believe by the by the end of the month, we'll have another 19 added to the in development. So wow, uh, I'm super excited about our growth. Um, you know, I think everything that we've been working on, trying to just get our systems as tight as possible um, and, and obviously working with Repum that uh, the words out there now that uh, this is pretty cool stuff in the pet industry. So yeah, buckle up Super is what I would say. Buckle up. I think, uh, yeah, I think you might be getting ready to take this thing to the moon. Um, what are, are you seeing with most of your, your franchisees coming in are most of them thinking bigger than just, getting one location open and starting there, or most of them 
you know, planning to open multiple locations over time? Are you seeing a, a mix? What does that kind of look like? Yeah, so the, the, the 13 that are currently open, um, they are all more of the mindset of just one location, mm-hmm. right? They, you know, they were C-level executives, love pets, want to still make great money, have fun. Um, they don't want things too complicated. So um, they are one unit. But what's happened is everybody that's coming aboard now, I would say probably 80% of them are more on the investor level. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're looking, they're buying 10 units, they're buying five units, and they're looking at things very different than the one-offs, right? They're looking at it saying, wow, the level of technology here, I can utilize that technology and scale this into five locations pretty easily as long as I got the capital. Easy to scale into 10 as long as I got the capital. So we're starting to see that level of sophistication. Um, where I think that those individuals, there really hasn't been an opportunity for them in the pet space yeah. Um, because there's so many mom and pops, there's no technology, um, there just hasn't been an opportunity for them. And so it's kind of why we've got a lot of individuals. But hey, it's still, whether you are whether you get involved in five or 10, you buy a whole market or you just want to do one. I mean, it's absolutely just an amazing industry to be in every day right i mean what the fun, dogs love you no a matter fun what business yeah you know yeah. It's- i mean the dogs love you when you go in and you know y- y- you might have a bad day but there's always a dog there that's willing to give you 50 kisses right and play with you so it's a good just- point you're gonna have bad days in business there's no way around that you know i guess yeah. having uh you know, dogs loving all over you in your office every day, even on a bad day is, uh, you know, probably brighter than bad days in a lot of other businesses. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. fun business. I mean, here, that- here, you know, I was just going to say, you know, here at, at the corporate office, um, the whole team is allowed to bring in their dogs. Right. So I may have a stressful day and or a stressful call or whatever. I just go out into the main area, lay on the floor and guess who? All these dogs just come running and they're ready to play. Love you. They don't give a shit how bad of a time. And it just totally changes your mood, right? So you lay on the floor, you play with five, six dogs. And in 20 minutes, you're like, wow, life is not bad. And then you're exactly. able to get right back to work. That's that's so cool. Is uh, I got to ask the, the picture for those watching. Dan's got a, a painting. Is that Mercedes? Yeah, that is Mercedes. Yeah. Beautiful. She passed. She passed away. Um, after 13 years. Oh, wow. And um, I'm sorry yeah, to hear so that. she was the uh, the reason behind all of this, right? Yeah. Because we had, yeah. uh, who doesn't want to have their own pet store for their dog? We had, we had to put, uh, I've had boxers for, for most of my life. And um, so our, our most recent, actually, there's one of my dogs barking right now. Um, but we had to put a, our, our boxer down. It's probably been seven or eight months, and um, that's always hard. But we also have young kids, so we've got a six-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. And um, you know, because I've had to put other dogs down in the past, and you know, it's it's very very hard. But this time with the kids, especially my oldest daughter, because you know, as long as she's been alive, Guinness, our our boxer, was part of the family, right? And right seeing her you know and how she acted when you know 
she knew we were having to to put him down uh talk about heartbreaking man um it was brutal so um it's uh it's a tough thing but totally worth it when you get to uh you know have them as part of the family for as long as they're around but um well, man, what what did we not touch on that you know you think would be worth mentioning? Um, that that you think the audience would benefit from hearing? You know, definitely want to have you share where people can connect with you, learn more about Splash and Dash. You know, before we wrap up, but is there anything that that I did not ask you about that that you wish we would have had a chance to touch on? Um, not really. I mean, one of the questions I usually get asked is. You know, what does it cost? What's the all-in number? What's it going to take to, um, you know, for me to invest and get a store open? And so in your FDD, um, your total all-in is going to be somewhere between 250 260 um, on the low end and potentially up to 400 on the high end. Now, the higher end, when we came up with that number is when, you know, a two-by-four was like $100, right? So yeah, it's come down. Yeah, I think... <laughs> yeah, the numbers have come down a little bit, but yeah. we still have it at that high end. Most of the stores are right in that uh, low 300 range. So relatively a comfortable space to be able to get into um, easily. Um, great opportunities to get funding from the SBA. We work with some great people to help with that. So it is not as difficult, I think, as some people may think. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And and. um you know, I, I try not to get into too many numbers and stuff. So, you know, I didn't ask you about, you know, what's your average revenue per location and stuff like that. You know, you have an FDD. Candidates can see all that information there. They're going to get to talk to other franchise owners as they're going through the research, which is one of the key ways that they can, you know, really get some good data points around, you know, earning potential and and even, you know, the upfront investment. But you know, I'm glad you kind of gave the range out of the FDD to just give some context, right? Because I, I imagine a lot of people, you know, hear this and and maybe just imagine that it it requires far more capital than you know what your FDD yeah. shows. Um, and and yeah, most people are leveraging SBA. There's there's other funding mechanisms out there, and um, I, I know from experience talking to people that have never really explored franchising but the idea of business ownership is appealing to them one of the biggest things that keeps them from even like taking some initial steps to start doing research is they just assume that they don't have a pathway to to funding it and getting the capital that they need and look i've worked with some very very high net worth people that could have easily stroked the check for every aspect of the investment guess what they did they use someone else's money as much as they could, right? Like, you yeah, know, so absolutely. even if, you know, it's like that's, you know, an, an SBA or something of, of that nature is probably going to be your best bet, you know, even if you're very, very well off financially. Um, so glad oh, yeah. that you pointed that out. Um, you know, where where do you see this thing going? I mean, obviously you guys are, you're in growth mode. You know, you've spent a lot of time. That's clear you know, lay in a solid foundation and, you know, you've partnered with Repum and, and, you know, it really seems like the stage is set to to step on the gas and and grow this thing in a big way. You know, what's the long-term vision, you know, where, where do you see this thing? I know that's sometimes tough to answer, but where do you see this thing at 10 years from now? 
actually, um, you know, since I've been a little kid, the goal has always been to build a brand and take it public. So um, our short-term goal is 300 locations in the next 36 months. Um, we're looking to expand into Canada. We should have that in place by the end of this year. Um, once we get to that 300 mark, then, you know, my attention is going to shift to then start the process of, you know, taking us on that public path of becoming a publicly traded company. Love so it. that'll happen much sooner than 10 years. Um, my goal is it should be somewhere between five to seven years is where we need and, to be. And do you want to, do you want to stay involved, you know, at a leadership level once the company goes public? Is that the the plan or to be determined? Well, the plan is, you know, you always have these visions of riding around in your yacht, drinking beer, having a good time, right, with all that money. But the reality is I've had multiple opportunities to sell and get out of it. And I, I did pretty good when I sold the gyms and could have lived a decent life. But I just love it, right? I, I'm so passionate about dogs. I love the industry. I love that we're constantly innovating new technology. So I don't know. I mean... I'd like to say, yes, there's going to be an end day, but I just love it so well, much. You know, you might be able to have both, right? I mean, with this technology, as long as your yacht's got a good Wi-Fi connection, it sounds like yeah. you could, <laughs> you know, pretty, pretty well stay yeah. on top of things, you know, even, even from the yeah. yacht. So, um, well, I tell you what, once, once you take this thing public, um, we'll do another podcast interview on your yacht and you can tell us all the story of, uh, you know, exceeding 300 locations and taking splash and dash public. Um, but sounds like the, the stage is set, you know, for, uh, for that to become a reality in the future, where can people, uh, connect with you, Dan, if they want to learn more and where's the best place for them to go and, you know, see splash and dash themselves. Yeah, so I think the best bet is just to hop on our website uh, from splash-for-dogs.com. And then from, from there, you know, you're going to see the website. Then if you want to learn more about um, becoming a franchise owner, you can click the franchising tab. That'll take you into an area that just gives tons and tons of detail about um, everything about the business, basically. Um, if, if you then, you know, want to have that next conversation, then you just, you know, Fill out the form or give us a call. Phone numbers on the website, and we'll start having those conversations and, and see if it's going to be a fit for both of us. Love and it. And then all of our locations are all 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 the locations are also listed on the website. So if you happen to be in a market that uh, we have a location, then let them know. Um, bring your dog in. You tell them Dan sent you, and you get a free bath. That sounds like a plan. Um, we'll put put a link to the website in the show notes to make it easy for people to find. But uh, Dan, really appreciate you making the time to do this. I know you're busy. Um, this is fascinating to me. I love what what you've done to incorporate, you know, technology and and like real technology that's, you know, helping to put more money in your franchisee's pocket at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. So um, thank you for dropping into the Path to Freedom podcast and you know, good luck as you continue to grow Splash and Dash. Thanks. Definitely going to take you up on that yacht offer. Let's do it. I look forward to it.
That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.